The Power Play Podcast is brought to you by Game Time. It is the new go-to app for the best deals on last-minute tickets. I have been getting tickets last minute, and let me tell you, I mean, I love to go to things. I love to go to concerts. I love to go to sporting events. And Game Time is where it's at because the ticket prices drop right before the game starts, right before the event starts. And because Game Time tracks prices in real time from thousands of trusted sellers, which is really, really hard to find, the trusted part, you know how it is, they're able to show you the best last minute deals with prices up to 60% off. Not 40, not 50, 60% off. And like I said, I love to go to events. I love specifically, like, yes, I love sports, obviously, that's why we're here. But I love concerts and being able to score last minute deals on those is huge. It's really easy. There's a two tap checkout. You just boom, boom, and you're in that thing. So obviously it's simple. Literally two steps, quick and easy to navigate. So download the Game Time app in the Google Play or App Store and score last minute deals on tickets up to 60% off. Why wouldn't you? Plays like an MVP, championship pedigree, Hall of Fame skills, business deals, lead the league, on court, all pro, off court, entrepreneur, any court, play ball, I'm ready to score, investments, connections, franchise player, levels to this man, I just add more layers, we changing the game, athletes bigger than balling, power plays, power moves, yeah, we going all in, my whole life a highlight reel, not just on the field, not just bodybuilding, I might buy a building, start a company, CEO, mind frame, this is way beyond game, these is power plays. Welcome back to the Power Play Podcast. This is Alicia J. I'm so glad that you joined me this week. Uh, last week's conversation with Squint was amazing, and I am so excited to bring you this conversation today. Before I introduce who is sitting across from me, I have to tell you a story. Uh-oh. <laughs> Uh-oh. You may know him by his voice already, but in sports, it can be a little cutthroat sometimes. I'm just going to be honest. I have experienced things in sports. People keep a lot of things close to their vests. They don't like to help you always. And as a person who wanted to get into journalism in one way, shape, or form, the person that I am interviewing today has definitely helped me in so many ways, continues to do so, and literally has been nothing but like a blessing in my life, really, since I've known him. And I just remember meeting him for the first time and literally asking me, What do you want to do? How can I help you? And he also introduced me to NABJ, which we will talk about as well. But I am so blessed to introduce Mark, don't forget the J, Spears. Tell him. Hey. I had to to get on somebody the other day, man. And we had a, I had my Willie Colley Stein speech that a, a piece that I hope more Warriors fans will check out. They didn't put the J in there. I was like, no. That J is there. I ain't Stephen A, but you put the A at Stephen A all the time. Right. You can give me my J. Right, as and they then, should. And there's a story of why I got my J, but we'll, no. we'll get there later. Oh, yeah. I mean, I was going to say your whole government name, but I said maybe he doesn't want it out there like that. So, because, you know, in my when research, I, I found to, out what the J was. Yeah. So. When I was an elementary school kid, they, people used to ask me. I used to tell them it stands for Joe Mama. Oh, hey, you Which should I still say was that. Funny to me. It was <laughs> hey, I still think it's funny. The producer I'm, here laughed. He thinks it's still funny. <laughs> I think it's funny too. Yeah. But for those of you who don't know, which I don't believe would be many, but don't feel bad. You're going to find out. Mark J. Spears is, I mean, this is an understatement, but he is an amazing journalist that has covered the NBA for over 25 years. 21. 21. But I've been a sports writer for 25. Okay, so covered the NBA, but you've... Okay, okay. Um, She did do her research, even though it doesn't sound like she did. No, you're right. You're right. (laughs) But has been covering sports for over 25 years. And he is now the senior NBA writer for The Undefeated. And why don't you tell people... And I look younger in person. Absolutely. Yeah. That was going to be the next thing I said. You cut me off. Yeah. Absolutely. You can tell this is is somebody I know. Yeah. (laughs) Back from the Warriors day. Hey. But can you Running tell... Running the show. You know, I'm not going to argue with that. I will not argue but, with it. But go ahead. Tall girl in the tunnel. Shout out. Yeah. Anyways. Uh, so can you tell people about The Undefeated for, for people that don't know? Work-wise, it's the greatest blessing I've ever had. Mm. It's a site about race and culture and sports. 
It's a site about the elephant in the room, the thing that people things people don't want to talk about, the uncomfortable, the story of people of color, story of women, story of the less you know privileged, mm-hmm. um, the less fortunate, and it's just it's just good motivational material, good educational material, uh, material that can maybe change your mind on the world. With all due respect to all the jobs that I had and thanks to the people that gave me the opportunities, it's the best job I ever had. And when you say all of the jobs that you've had, I'm probably leaving some out, but I know that you were the Nuggets and NBA writer for the Denver Post. You were the NBA and Celtics writer and NBA writer for Yahoo. So that's a lot of jobs. That is a lot of jobs. I also worked at the Tulsa World. It's my first job. Woo! Covering Arkansas's football and basketball team. All right. Covered the, this is the, uh, at the LA Daily News. I covered Cal State football, Northridge football and basketball. Football team doesn't exist anymore. And actually backed up on the Dodgers. I did baseball for about a year and a half, Dodgers and the Angels. I was there when Piazza got traded. And then I um, was in the press box one day, and this guy in the press box in Anaheim was going, calling the pitches, mm-hmm. meaning strike curve. Slider. I'm like, how do you know the pitches? And he goes, oh, man, I pitched in, I was a pitcher in college. I'm like, oh, shoot, I need to be back in basketball. You know, I haven't, you know, you play college basketball Pacific. Shout out to number 53. 52, 52. as a matter of fact. And I just want to let you know, <laughs> he always gives me crap for like, this. Who wears 52? Alicia she, J. She must have wanted to wear 25 and, like, the the number guy messed up on her jersey. No, 52 is an amazing number. I was setting trends. But I also want to tell you, I looked it up. the first one ever wore. First and last, and that is okay with me. Yeah. Okay? Yeah. But David Robinson was also number 50, if I'm not. That's a different number. But it's up there. You try try to say, like, 52 is, like, 105. But it's it's 50, you know. It's 50 got a ring to it. 52 does, too. No, but that's, that's your number. It is my number, and so I'm proud of it. I can't say the number I wore was, you know, just to me. I'm probably a zillionth on the number 34s. That's right. We're unique over here. You are. 52. You got it. You, Ray Lewis, you know. Yes. Mac. If you were a football player, it would have been perfect. Basketball but player. Back, but it worked. We're going off track. It worked. And she had a mean jump hook, You're, too. And Mark, Marcus Thompson always makes fun of me for the jump hook part. But that's how I got Alicia J. Oh, okay. Because I had a mean jump hook. It's effective. They pay for you to go to school. <laughs> Absolutely. There you go. I got my master's. And speaking of master's, yes. you have your master's as well from LSU. I do. And it was in sports management. Sports business management. Sports yeah. business management. Mm-hmm. So with everything that you have done and are doing, why go back and get your master's from LSU yeah. in particular in sports business management? One reason is, oh, I always try to stay. And I got this saying from uh, former Nuggets coach Jeff Buzdalek, who now works as an assistant with the Pelicans. I'll always stay two steps ahead of the posse. It's something, you Y'all know. Y'all heard kinda, that? Did I, you catch it? I kind of live by. And I hope, I, you know, I'm able to work at ESPN as long as I I can and want to. It's inevitable in life that at some point they're going to tap me on the shoulder. So when they do tap me on the shoulder, I just feel like I have to be ready, you know. Hopefully that's many moons from now. I love this job. I I don't want to change this job. I also am from a family where my dad has a bachelor's, my mom has a master's, and my sister has a master's, so I had to catch up to them. Mm. (laughs) <laughs> I heard that. Got Shout a lot out of to the masters family. And, and doctors in our entire family. Um, so I always wanted to do that. I, at some point, I want to teach. I think teaching is one of the few professions where they respect you more if you're older. So 15, 20 years from now, hopefully San Jose State, LSU, some college is like, hey, we need this guy to, you know. So I, so I wanted to do that and it could potentially open other doors as well and different sports franchises. Not that I'm looking for anything or nothing like that, but I, I just don't ever want to be stagnant. 
I don't want to stand still. I got friends in the business who I think are realizing what I, I, I 10 years has passed and I'm still in the same spot. Mm-hmm. Being at the same company is nothing wrong, but do, are you in the same spot? I, I always want to feel like I'm, I'm growing and getting better. And so I, I looked at several different colleges and Louisiana State University was perfect for me because I've always been a Tigers fan. My family's from Louisiana. There may be a day where, you know, I moved to New Orleans. Mm-hmm. Most most of my family is there. A lot of people actually think I'm from New Orleans. I, you know, I could tell you, you know, how to, to get here, how to get there, how to say Chapatulas, you know, where to get the best gumbo, um, where to get beignets. It's not Cafe Du Monde. Like I, I know New, I know where to get the best, you know, uh, drive-through daiquiris. You know, drink response. So my point is, yes, drink responsibly. Yeah. Everyone, um, please. I could be, I could live there one day, mm-hmm. and I think I'm good in California. But if you have a Louisiana degree in Louisiana, I'm sure it probably takes some weight. And, Absolutely. Um, but they, the school, also welcomed me. They wanted me. Waved the GRE, which was phenomenal for me, because because they respected my years in the business, and they want to be be a part of the program and uh so i was just as excited to to be a part of it as well to to be an official tiger it was hard man like people think ah oh, you weren't you know you did it from afar i think it's harder to get your masters from afar because you're not looking at your professor in the eye you're not able to ask questions you don't have any classmates you could really like throw things off of or go get some coffee with after class and figure this out I had a couple classmates I talked to on the phone here or there or email but it was it was hard and you have to push yourself too you're not no, I was you know going working. I didn't yeah like I, you're not going to a classroom every day yeah. and you have to turn like you have deadlines that you have to set yourself yeah. you know it, it's, it's really hard and I had yeah. to take these like classes these finals it's the weirdest thing ever like you you got a Apple computer in front of you right I had to log on and had a proctor watch me two or three hours. Wow. And and honestly, it's hard for you to sit down for two or three hours in what you do. Yeah. You're always on well, the Well, no, but I mean, I'm trying to get, I'm, I got all A's too now. Yeah. Didn't get it at Andrew I'm Hill not- High School in San Jose. It was a, I think you could have cut my GPA at a half <laughs> for what I had. At, 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 it's weird, right? Uh, to be honest, like this is how, the growth, I guess. I had a 2.2 GPA in high school. Yeah. 2.8 in college. And a four at LSU. Why? I mean, that, <laughs> hey, listen, I can't really tell you why I wasn't there taking the test. But yeah, what I do yeah. know is that but I you got ta- it though. You got it, and yeah. when you talk about that growth, I actually think back to a story that I heard when I was doing research on you. And what happened in seventh grade? You were in a classroom back then too. Yeah. And that is when your life changed and how you actually got all the way up to being in another classroom at yeah. LSU, you know, yeah. your whole path and everything. So what happened in seventh grade? I grew up in San Jose, was going to a school named uh, Sylvandale, Sylvandale Junior High School. And I don't know if school, most schools do this now, but I think career days are really, really important, especially now that I'm, like, speaking to schools and stuff. I think it's more just as important on the junior high level as the high school level because – I think junior high kids listen more. They're, they're, they're not distracted by, you know, who they're attracted to or being cool or, you know, the junior high kids listen. And I was one of those junior high kids before I got distracted in high school and had a 2.2. So huge basketball fan, huge sports fan. I played basketball, soccer, baseball, football growing up. I had Sports Illustrated, not for kids, I had Sports Illustrated as a kid. I read the sports page of the San Jose Mercury News every morning for breakfast. There was no internet then. Everything they had in that sports page, I would digest it. Mm-hmm. I remember in seventh grade reading a stat in Sports Illustrated, and I was always trying to be honest with myself or honest with reality, and I'll never step on anybody's pro dream. But you got to know what you got to do to get there. You know, it's yes. not easy. But uh, I saw a stat that less than, and this is when I was in the seventh grade, less than 2% of all college basketball players make it to the NBA. 
I read that stat, and I'm like, whoa, whoa. Yeah. <laughs> like, I mean, that's my quite goal the stat. changed to like, okay, I want to play in college. If I so happen to get blessed with the NBA, that's great. But that, like, I wasn't a naive kid. I was like, okay, if it's less than 2%, it's really difficult, no matter what you do. Well, and I think this is an important note, though, to be honest, because we live in an age, number one, entrepreneurism. They're like, hey, go after it with everything you got, da, da, da. But I think there is so much power in having an A, B, C mm-hmm. plan, because if not, you're going to be on this path of I can only do one thing and you can never adjust. And that's why a lot of players, when they're done with their careers, they don't know what to do yeah. and they and they don't know how to pivot even though I do think that we're coming into a whole different era yeah. in that respect. But I think that was very smart of you at that yeah. young age to do that. Yeah, and then so I looked at the list of people we could listen to or whatever, and I saw a guy from the Warriors. And I'm like, okay, I'm signing up for him. I'm like, he's going to have a free T-shirt, bumper sticker, hat, tickets, who knows, maybe Sleepy Floyd's coming. You know, I don't know. I'm signing up for him. I go in there, this man ain't had nothing. <laughs> nothing. But he, no had, swag. he had knowledge, man. Like, how he come in there with no swag? But for some reason, he was really good. And I was kind of taken by what he was saying and really into what he was saying. For some reason, by the grace of God, he pointed at me. And I was in the seventh grade and said, well, what do you want to do when you grow up? And I was like, I want to play for y'all. Immediately said that. Right. And he said, I'm not going to tell you you can't make it to the NBA. But what if you get injured? What if you don't? What are you going to do? And I was like, oh, no. And he said, if you combine this. Now, this is the deep part. This is this applies to life, I think, too, in a lot of ways. He told me, if you can apply what you love most in life with what you do best in school, you can have a job you're happy to go to every day. And I really I was like, whoa, that's deep really thought about what the man had to say. So what do I love most in life? Sports. No question. Not even a debate. Sports. What do I do best in school? Math. Eh. Science. Eh. Reading. Eh. I'm still working on books I started five years ago. Oh, I know I am. Yeah. I could write. I always could write. Always was creative. Hmm. Combine what he said. Put the two together. Sports writer. Hmm, less than 2% make it to the NBA. If I can't play in the NBA, if I can't play in the NFL, if I can't play Major League Soccer, if I can't play in the Major League Baseball, the next best thing to do is be there, right? So the next day I had this uh, great teacher, and she, um, God, I wish I remembered her name right now because I want to give her a shout-out. I see her, though, and she said, if you you have to write a letter to somebody in an industry that you're interested in. Mm-hmm. So I wrote a letter to Mark Purdy, who was a columnist from the San Jose Mercury okay. News, yeah. or at the time was recently retired. He wrote me back a letter telling me what to do from the seventh grade through college. Wow. Wrote me back. So I got this letter. I still rem- remember the envelope. It had the old Mercury shoe on there. It was gray and, and green. Had the old Sounds and Mercury News logo, which they should go back to because it's a great logo. And this was like a Bible to me. Mm. I read it all the time. And what Mark told me was, in the seventh grade, just because you're in junior high doesn't mean you can't do anything. Now, it's like, if they have a school paper, write for the school paper, write for the yearbook. So I wrote for the school paper in the seventh grade. You go back to Sylvandale somewhere, look in the archives, there's some Mark J. Spears thing there, you know, and that's oh. where the J started because that was my pen name. I used it in the seventh grade, and I just stuck with it. So I started covering the eighth grade flag football team when I was in the seventh grade, wow. like a beat writer. I was going to their practices. I was interviewing the players after the flag football uh, when we, we played fair junior high, you know, covering that writing stories on that. And then he said, when you go to high school, take all the typing classes you could take. Go on a school yearbook or go on a school paper. I went on a school paper. We just so happened to have a guy from the San Jose Mercury News helping our school paper out named Mick Van Valkenburg. 
So I had access to a guy from the San Jose Mercury News while I was in high school. Wow. Wrote on the school paper. When he said, when you go to college, write on the school paper, take all the best writing courses, either take work on the school paper or the, or yeah, he said, do the school paper, but also try to get as many internships as possible. Yeah. You got to get experience. So I played basketball at Foothill College and wrote on the school paper. I played basketball at University of D.C., wrote on the school paper. Redshirted at San Jose State, wrote on the school paper. While I was at my, and, and this is key to people too, like everybody thinks you got to get paid for everything when you start. You ain't done nothing. Nobody no. knows you. So you got to earn it. Yeah, so I called, I reached, I sent a letter or called, I don't know, one of the two, to San Jose Metro after my sophomore year in college and asked, told them, I said, hey, do you have anybody that can write sports for you during the summer? I, I'd like to do it for free. They're like, yeah. So I wrote sports stories for them after my sophomore year in college for all the neighborhood newspapers. First story I wrote for them, I remember I interviewed Mitch, Tim, and Chris. You know, the, the Warriors uh, yeah, I know exactly. run TMC was there. I, I remember my first athlete I interviewed was Tim Hardaway, and I was super nervous about it, you know. But I, you know, I did this in college. Right. And, and you're doing this for free, but that experience that you got was invaluable. Yeah. There, there's no, who's doing that, yeah. you know, when you're in college? Who is doing that? Yeah. And I think a well, lot well, of- Well, let me, let me finish telling you. So oh, okay. I end up signing with the National Association of Black Journalists. Got a tip from that. And after my junior year, I had no offers. Mm-hmm. I had no scholarship offers. I mean, uh, no uh, offers for internships at all because I was looking for a paid internship now. The National Association of Black Journalists was the only one that offered me an internship. They had a summer internship program. I was the only one. I was the last one, I think, picked. I got the short end of the straw. I went to um, the Grand Rapids Press in Grand Rapids, Michigan. Drove from here. Wow. With my buddy Desta Owens. Shout out to Desta Owens. We drove there. He flew back. I covered a Cubs game. I covered this boxer named Floyd Mayweather. Did a story on him. Oh, just Floyd. He was like 18 okay. years old, and he loved juice boxes at the time. I did a story on the Detroit Lions. I covered some minor league baseball games. So now all of a sudden, my resume is growing, 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 growing. And then after that, after I graduated from San Jose State, or before I graduated from San Jose State, my last year there, one of my teammates, actually a year before, Terry Cannon was getting interviewed by a writer they had named Bud Dracy. I waited after practice for Bud to finish talking to Terry. Shout out to Terry Cannon. And I said, hey, my name's Mark Spears. I'm a student here. I'm on the team, blah, blah, blah. Just want to introduce myself. Squeaky wheel gets the oil. Two days later... I'm in their uh, offices taking high school football scores, getting paid for it, writing paragraph stories. They started liking me. Hey, can you do high school basketball games on nights that permit? Yeah. I got my byline at the San Jose Mercury News when I was in college. You know how crazy that was for me? So then I graduated from San Jose State. Basketball career is like a living hell, and it's over, and that's the story for another mm -hmm. Alicia J podcast. But... um I ended up getting, remember, nobody wanted me the year before. Now, all of a sudden, I'm getting tons of offers. And this was the mid-'90s, and I did an internship at the Dallas Morning News, which at that time had the number one sports page in the country. Mm -hmm. It was 75 pages long on Sundays, if you can imagine that. Um, that is a paper. Yeah. And, and so I interned there for the summer, ended up getting a job covering Arkansas. So... I wasn't a first-round pick in sports, but I felt like a first-round pick in journalism because of I did all these things while playing college basketball. And my first job, I got to cover. Now, I didn't make nothing. I was making 19000 before taxes. But I was covering the SEC out of college. And so every I remember I had a coach at Epps at the University of D.C., and he said, no, you'd be a hell of a player if you, you – cared about basketball as much as you do with that goddamn journalism. <laughs> and I knew that goddamn journalism was my savior. It wasn't going to be basketball. Okay. So 
it all worked out. And now it's funny. I'm like friends with Mark Purdy now. We we actually met for the first time after he sent me that letter in 2008 at the Beijing Olympics. I met wow. him for the first. He he gave me the letter 84. I met him in 2008 at the wow. Beijing Olympics at the Heineken Lounge. Whoa, okay, Heineken Lounge. But <laughs> when you scracking at the Heineken Lounge. Um, yeah, but but to meet when, him, like after all those years, and and thank him for a letter that he gave me 20 years earlier, like he he almost teared up when I like. So that's like when you say I helped you, he helped me. Yeah. Like we're all supposed to help each other. Amen. When, like. Nothing, there's not a lot of things worse than somebody that got success and forgot everybody that helped them along the way and forgot to reach back down and grab somebody up. Completely agree. And that's also a testament for, especially to Mark, like he took the time out to write a letter. It doesn't seem like a no, huge he didn't have thing, to do that. but he did not have to do that. Nothing is too big or small. Like, I think we forget that. The fact that he took that time, wrote a blueprint out for you. Yeah. And it literally changed your life. Like, I shudder to think what it would be without getting that blueprint because it literally was a driving force for you. You said it was your Bible. Yeah. I mean, and I, someone said, you still got the letter? My parents moved to New Orleans in like 2002. So I don't know what happened to that letter, but it, it's all in my mind. And the beautiful thing about that letter is I remember it and I could tell the story. And if one, you know, truly, if one per- person hears this, and it helps them figure out what they want to do, then fantastic. That letter is every step that you've taken. Yeah. Every single step that you've taken to get to where you are right now and being an amazing storyteller with The Undefeated, there's always just something that you find that nobody would even think to, you know, base the story off of. Thank you. It, it, it's amazing. Where did that come from? Is it just yeah, from all the heart? <laughs> <laughs> Being nosy, asking, you know, I'm, I love detail. I, I like, um, if I'm on Sports Center, if I write a story, I feel like it's important. Like everybody, you saw the game, right? If you cared about that team, you saw the game. You know a lot about your team. But w- what can I give you that you don't know? Us journal- journalists have the ability to go in the locker room, they have the ability to meet players. You have the ability to see things behind the scenes. I'm big on trying to tell people things they don't know, mm-hmm. they can't see. Take them to places. Like I got a story coming out Friday's little tease you have. Uh, I, I sat down with Suns head coach Monty Williams and their general manager, James Jones, on Monday Okay. for an hour. And wow. it would have been an amazing podcast. It would have been an amazing video. But I hope when people read it, even though those guys have been around basketball for 20 years, you feel like, wow, I know so much more about those guys than I did before. And that's that's something that I, I just don't want to do. I have a weird mind. I think I have a creative, creative mind. It's probably why I tease you about 52 because I'm just so, like, amazing to me that you wore number 52. Hey. I'm like, I actually respect it. I'm not going to tell you that. But I didn't you, even you just, hear what you like, just said. The fact that you went out of your own box and chose 52, I, that's cool. Yes, it is. That, that means you're, you're comfortable in your tall skin. Yes, um, I absolutely am that. And she's 6'7", if you don't know. Okay, but, but not that I wouldn't rep 6'7", but I am 6'6". Six, 6'6". Six. Six, six. And then, but you know, depending on the, the one, heels. No, the one thing I've always respected about you is you wear your height as well as anybody. Thank you. No, and and that's not easy to do. It's not. It actually took me a long time to get there. Um, And I actually tell my story on at Tall Swag. That's on social media. But but it's what people can learn from you is your give a damn meter is low. People are going to look at you your whole life. So why sit and worry about what the world thinks? You're just going to do you. So 52. Absolutely. Always (laughs) and forever. 52. (laughs) Rep it. Yeah. 52. Uh, yes. Thank you for all of those kind words. No, it's, I'm here it's, for that. It's, 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 but I feel like you have to have some of that too in what you do because you yeah, have. I, I don't care anymore. I care. There's some things I care about, and then there there are other things that I have to learn not to care about. Right. And as part of that, I, you I control would think, what you can control. Exactly. 
Which, whew, if you just harness that, life is so much no, easier. No, it's just, look, man, it was, one thing I had to learn is everybody's not going to like you no matter what. No matter what you do, how great you sound, what, how, how high your backflip go, everybody's not If they threw, I always say, if they threw stones at Jesus, why should I think that somebody won't throw stones at me? Every somebody day. told me recently, they're like, look, if you got people blocking you that means you're doing something that's true <laughs> like, and they're worried about you Absolutely. and they might have more confidence in you than you have in your own self yep the day i'm blessed with a kid they play sports i don't want no certificate of participation you either first second third or nothing absolutely because life that's, doesn't that's, give no, you that certificate yeah we don't need to sugarcoat everything if you sucked you suck get better you know yeah and so I'm, that's the thing that scares me about society is everybody wants, a lot of people want certificates of participation and don't, you know, like I try to look in the mirror and say, what can I do to get better? If you don't look at it that way, society will eat you up. They sure will every day. And I think that when it comes to looking at yourself in the mirror and getting better, I feel like a lot of athletes are doing that now. They're they're looking at themselves and what they can contribute to society, what they can say, how they can use their voice. Uh, I think there was a pivot at some point where players literally use their own narratives and mm -hmm. they own them. Um, what do you think that pivot was? Because so Social media gave them a lot of power. Yeah. Like having your own Twitter handle and you, you say something at practice that gets out that might be mis misconstrued. You could tweet out 120 characters. You could write a statement, photocopy, you know, copy your statement, take a picture of it, and then post the statement. Like Kyrie Irving, his reaction to how Celtics fans booed him. He had, I mean, I don't understand it still what he had, but it was a lot, you know. He was able to put his own message out there. Players Tribune allows them to put their has allowed players to use their own message. Another thing that's newest, latest with this that I'm seeing more and more, and I probably shouldn't say it because I think it's worthy of a story that I want to do. But more and more players have their own people filming, filming them wherever they go, filming them hanging out with their friends, filming them doing community appearances. Not the team. Like there's about three or four guys on the Warriors that have somebody filming them there's a college star who i'm not going to say their name has a has somebody filming them getting his own footage and then you have to you could like lebron james more than an athlete right he didn't get that dspn for free i don't know what he got for it right but it was basically their idea their whole story they sold it kevin durant boardroom that ain't free. No, as it should not be free. Brilliantly, Kevin's picking who he wants to talk to. Right. Who he wants to interview. He's asking the questions. And that I love. I yeah. love it because as a person who worked in sports and saw everything from the outside looking, well, I was, I was a part of it, but I uh, observed mm -hmm. a lot of things. I love that players are able to do this. I love that players are literally saying, this is what I want to do, and this is how I'm going to do it. They execute it, and they put it out. I love that because as somebody who also played sports, I know that it is hard to showcase that, Like, especially when you have a team or a school or whatever that controls the narrative that comes in and out about you. Like, I just love that players are able to capture this and literally instantly get on social media and say, actually, this is what happened. Yeah. But I would imagine... As somebody who is it, a journalist. It, it, it could backfire now, too. It can backfire. Uh, Absolutely. Antonio Brown Ooh. putting out the video of him getting the news that, you know, that team that leaving and released him. Right. Right. No, like, like, Absolutely Like backfire. that video now looks horrible. Like, oh it's cringeworthy. I mean, it actually was to me at the time. Yeah, no. I'm not saying you it know? wasn't at the time either. So, uh, you know. Everything ain't great. Like, you got to be smart with your power. How is a player being able to tell their own story and I don't even want to say, like, defend themselves, but 
how does you could do, I mean, them having could, their strong voice like change what you do in any way? You know what? Also, it, like Instagram, I don't know TikTok. Yet. I guess that's the new thing. Like, it get they could also let you get to know them as people. Yeah, I think Damon Lillard, but he, sometimes not, not even enough. I think Damon Lillard is one of the not only one of the greatest NBA players ever, but just cool. Absolutely, it's like a lot of swag and raps, and is a great rapper, and and just a lot of fashion sense, and but. A lot of times, if you're not in a huge market or you're not a a LeBron James or a Steph Curry, a lot of what you do can go by the wayside. So I feel like when we recently interviewed him on ESPN and the ESPN cover story. If you haven't I, checked it out, please do. It's a phenomenal piece. Thank you. I feel like now more people know who he is. Yeah. You know, not so much the sports fan, but my mom. Absolutely. Seeing the people that or his family and yeah. friends, that showed me so much more about him than even him saying anything himself. Yeah. Like people that love him spoke how, you know, spoke about him. Lil Wayne spoke about him. Like it's um so even with all these social media things and ultimately when it comes down to you want people to notice you win. Winning. Success. Yeah. You could average thirty, but if your team is struggling, it's hard to get noticed. Yeah, well, even Kevin Durant in his, uh, he just had a cover for Forbes 30 Under 30. He said in that piece, how well you play on the court determines how big your business is going to grow. Yeah. And it's so absolutely true. I mean, true. Look, at, look at Draymond's story, man. This dude was a second-round pick. I remember him coming off the, we laugh at it. I said, man, I remember when you came off the bench at Summer League. I, I need to remind him of this story. Who was the guy they got? Jeremy Tyler. Jeremy Tyler. Remember Jeremy Tyler? I do remember him. So when Harrison was drafted, and wasn't Harrison and Draymond in the same draft? I believe so. Yeah, so they're in the summer league team together, and Jeremy's eating at Ruth Chris, spending money. He's like, yo, let's go to Ruth Chris for summer league. Summer league? Yeah, and Draymond and— Doing big things. Draymond and Harrison was like, yo, we're going to Subway. We're just going to get a sandwich, or we're going to go to Qdoba. You know, they're like—and Harrison had money. But he wasn't, like, their mentalities were different. And I'm not trying to beat up on Jeremy Tyler. But it's just funny to see, like, those two from then, how they've grown now. Draymond ain't eating no Subway now. No, he's (laughs) definitely not doing that. He's not. Oh, man. I I visited with him recently. And let's just say the the bottle of wine. You know, I think I'm I'm a wine guy. Shout out to my people at Frank Family Winery and, uh, you know, in Calistoga, you got to check them out. I, I actually have never drank alcohol in my whole life. So Good for I, you. No, yeah. no, and this is not. You're a saint. But I'm saying I don't know anything about wine. But I'm if, just you're like, gonna, if you're going to drink something, wine is. That's amazing. what I. That's what I should go yeah, for. Yeah, okay, got you. Yeah. So he got this bottle of wine, and I put it in my Vivino app, and I was like, oh, <laughs> yeah, I better enjoy. It. <laughs> Wait, wait, wait. broke my app how much it cost he had. Wait, so the app tells you, like, how, you, like you scan it, it or something? No, or yeah, scan, oh, okay. you can scan it in. I got some good stuff now. I got my little wine thing. I my little you. wine refrigerator whatnot. Yeah. I'm like, what he had? I'm like, sheesh. I, I lost a imagine. bet with him and gave him a bottle of wine. And the label was really cool, but he probably, like, gave it to the dog. No. <laughs> compared <laughs> compared to the wine he buying now, I like he wasn't even drinking though. Like I laugh at Mello because I remember Mello man when he first came to the league, and I'm going off topic. He they took him to the steakhouse and they put he put ketchup on the steak. His first visit with the Nuggets, he ain't been nowhere. He used to hamburgers from McDonald's. Nah, he wine. What if that's look. the way he liked it though? What if he just wanted to put ketchup on it? Come on, stop. <laughs> Wait, but since you brought Melo No, no, up, but, like, here's the thing. The black people that were able or the people that were able to go to Sizzler, what do you put on your steak? What, what's I mean, the, what's steak the, sauce. What's, like what's the a devil steak. to people that haven't had nothing when they – A1. Yeah, no, I mean, and And, 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 and it got go. to the point, like, like when, you, when you finally get a couple of dollars and you in, like, some fancy 585 steak, steakhouse, shout out to my boy Steve Chet, dare you ask them for A1. They will slap you across the face. Well, listen, I'm I'm an avid A1 user still, so Ooh. I'm here for it. <laughs> well, they ain't going to slap you. <laughs> no, I'm just playing. But since you brought Carmelo up, uh, what do you think about 
And honestly, I don't even want to call it a return because, in my opinion, he never should have been out. But what are your thoughts on uh, his return and how he's doing in Portland? I'm from Portland, so I, yeah. I love the move, personally. 503. A, always. Still got the family plan. But what are your thoughts on uh, his, I don't even want to, again, I'm not going to call it a return because he should have never been out. <coughs> oh, he definitely shouldn't have been out. Sad. I mean, because he's not a bad guy. He didn't do anything wrong. Wasn't arrested. He wasn't being blackballed for, you know, protesting uh, black people getting um, beat up by p- cops or anything. It's a different story. <laughs> yeah, that's another podcast. That's for sure. I think Houston did him bad. Like, at least he he, he recently said he still didn't know why they let him go. He, I don't think somebody, most of us do. Somebody of his ilk deserves better than that. He's going to be a Hall of Famer. You got to let him know. And talk to Chris Paul recently, and he still – he, he – Felt like Houston did a bad, and that that stuff might end up hurting the Rockets down the rock line. I mean, um, in the least, you respect the man. Be honest to a fault, even if it might hurt their feelings. Yeah. You gotta be honest to a fault. But I'm glad to see him back. Is he the mellow that I covered in Denver? No. Is he still good enough to be in this league? Yeah. He's still good enough to be in starting the right systems mm-hmm. for your Blazers. They have the right system for him. They do. So he should have probably went to Portland two years ago. I read something that um, Dame actually has been, like, pulling for him to be on the team. But no, for two they, years. Yeah. For, we yeah. Talk, I talked to him about it earlier this season. Yeah. He said, man, I tried. I tried. They and he said that. He, he's tried. They need to listen. Yeah. Who better to listen to but the players that are on your team, correct? I don't know. That's just a novel idea, I guess. Um, well, I mean, I, I do think – that perhaps maybe Mello was attracted to the brighter lights, the bigger names, mm-hmm. playing with Russ, playing with Paul George, you know, playing with CP, playing who's a good friend of his, playing with James Harden. Yeah. Those are bright lights, playing in New York, bright lights. You know, when he left, he probably should have never left Denver. Yeah. The way Denver would have a statue of him outside. But I think he he yearned for those brighter lights. And now he, I think he was realizing I got to go for the light that fits me the best, not the light that's the brightest. I mean, the light that is the brightest is the not light, always the, the light, right one. The, the light was dark for a, for a year. A little bit it dark. There was no light, you yeah. know, but now he's back. Well, I'm glad that it's back on. Um, when you talk about these players, I think about, like, a personal relationship that you have with them as friends, you know? Like, you, you develop it over time. Yeah. But how do you differentiate that with the role that you have with – Undefeated. How do you well, navigate now, that? I still, you know, every once in a while I break some news. Now I, I'm not all dead on that that front, but I, but I tell more stories about people, more stories about their plights, their missions, their challenges. So you know, it's a it's a little different. Talking to Chris Paul, he told me about not being, you know, not expecting to be traded. You know, so sometimes. In doing features, you find news. But I don't have to talk to them about the game all the time. So I, it's a blessing because they a lot of times don't want to talk about the game. Yeah. I remember asking Giannis about his family being from Nigeria, and he lit up, and he's like, wow, you, you want to talk to me about that. So it's cool because it's a lot of times what I, I get to write about is much bigger than basketball. And another thing that's definitely – bigger than basketball it's just your whole career like it's really a blueprint for how to be a sports writer a journalist just how to be a great person in general oh no i literally what would you tell somebody is the most important part of that blueprint to get to where they want to get you got to do stuff that everybody else isn't doing i told this to this san jose state speared uh website the other day like, what are you doing? And it, it applies to, like, like James Harden. I remember I love his story that he used to get on a bus at 5.30 in the morning in the hood to get to his high school at 6.30 so he could work out before class. Like, that's somebody that wants to be great. Me calling a place and saying, hey, I work for free. Me, like, joining an organization and, and taking the internship in Grand Rapids, Michigan, like, 
did I want to work in Tulsa, Oklahoma? Was I excited about working in Tulsa, Oklahoma after living in the Bay for so long? No. But I was excited about the job. I was excited about the opportunity. You know, there were people that I went to college with who didn't want to leave the Bay, didn't want to leave San Jose. And I think it hurt their dream of being a sports writer. Maybe their dream wasn't the same as mine. Like, I dreamed about this, and I plotted for this since the seventh grade. So when you, for a college kid, when you go into class, what are you doing that not just not only your classmates are doing, what do you think you could do that the rest of the elite college kids in the country aren't doing? You have to differentiate yourself from everybody else in order to get noticed. There's a lot of people graduating. Like, I was like, I thought about it, I'm like, there's thousands and thousands and thousands of kids graduating from college with me at the same time. How can I stand out in that crowd? That's why I interned at a place for free. That's why I took football scores at the San Jose Mercury News while I was playing college basketball or on off days covered college football games. I mean, college, uh, I mean, sorry, high school basketball games. I wanted it. I wanted it bad. I knew I wasn't going to be in the NBA, but now I've been to 20 All-Star Games. I've been to 20 NBA Finals. This job has allowed me to see the world. I just went to India. This year I've been to India and France. This job has also taken me to Africa for the first time in my life. I've been to Turkey, Bosnia, Sweden, Rome, Italy, Obviously, Mexico, Canada, but the Bahamas. I went to the Bahamas to chase around DeAndre Ayton. I, I just seen places that I've never thought I would see. I got yeah. to see the Taj Mahal for free a couple months ago. I was flew on a private jet to Monaco. Got a shake and not stirred drink from the uh, Monte Carlo after flying there with Tony Parker. Flew on the King's private jet, you know, like. I didn't dream. I, I didn't think any of this was possible as a kid, you know. But I, and ultimately, know what it comes down to. The best part, which I know you'll you'll laugh at and appreciate it. Like I get paid to watch basketball for a living. Like how many people are watching? Game? I have friends. All they do is watch games, and then uh, like I get people like you. like care about what I have to say. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, right. Like you actually care. To, like, have me talk to you. Right. And it's because like, it's you're passionate about what you do. Like, when you're passionate, all those things are going to come to you, right? Yeah. yeah. I mean, because you're not, you're well, not you working. you work hard, too. You're, you're working hard, hard yeah. but you're, you're really not working. You're doing no, what working. you love. No, I'm working. No, but, but what I'm saying is there's but a difference. But I love what I do. Right. You're right. I love what Absolutely. I do. Absolutely. I mean, it, look, it ain't easy. There are politics involved. Sometimes you're not going to get a fair shake. Which is goes back to the like why I don't think kids should get a certificate of participation. That's not the real world. You could be amazing and get passed over, but what are you gonna do after you fall? You know, I I, I try to give disappointments twelve hours. Now that's powerful. Say that one more time. I give disappointments twelve hours. There was a, there was a time at the Denver Post where I was up for a columnist job. I wanted it bad. I wanted it bad sports commerce job, and they made me try out. It was open. So I tried out against two colleagues. I'll leave their names out. I kicked their ass. I know I did because I wanted it more. I was more creative with my ideas. I was more creative with my stories. I was stronger with what I wanted to say. I wanted it bad. And then there was a calmness that worked at ESPN that decided to leave. They used to work in Denver by the name of Woody Page. So I, I remember being at Denver Nuggets training camp and in Durango, Colorado, in 2006. And I got a call from the managing editor. He said, hey, Mark, you did it. And I'm thinking, he's going to tell me I got the job. I just got this call. He told me, he's like, hey, man, you you were phenomenal. You did a great job, but Woody Page is coming back, and the owners decided to give him the job. So I just wanted to let you know that. Crushed. Crushed. And then, so I sat there at dinner. I ordered a whole bottle of wine. I walked from my hotel. But I ordered a whole bottle of wine. I ordered a really nice dinner that night that I charged the company. 
and I think they will let me get over it. And I thought, and and instead, and I was mad, but I planned for I, like how long are you gonna be mad? It ain't gonna. They gave Woody the job. Right. It ain't gonna change nothing. So what do I do? So that night, I had actually turned down a job earlier that year, an opportunity actually. I just say a job to interview to be the Heat beat writer after they won the championship. I felt like that was going sideways. And then I lost this calmness job, and I'm like, you know what, maybe I looked at it wrong because I'm in Denver and nobody's hearing my voice in Denver. So then all of a sudden, there was a job open covering the Boston Celtics for the Boston Globe. They just got some guy named Kevin Garnett. They just (laughs) got Ray Allen. Paul Pierce was there. I'm like, they're going to win it next year. And so I ended up fighting for that job. Uh, getting a job, covering the Celtics, moved to Boston, put my bag down, went to Italy and and London with them for training camp. I remember a colleague of mine saying, you know what, you're doing the same stuff in Denver that you're doing in Boston, but because you're in Boston now, people are hearing your voice. Then two years later, I got the job at at Yahoo. So my point is, like, I I could still be in Denver right now, that, you know, and, and, and be sad and moping and be mad. I, I gave myself 12 hours. Yep. But I didn't even give myself that long. I was mad, but I'm like, okay, where do I go from here? Well, and to be honest, thank God for Woody Page. <laughs> no, I'm saying yeah. because you wouldn't be. I probably would have be some kind I don't know. It'd be a totally different path. Like Might have been great. Who knows? Maybe reason. I might be a talk show host or something. like. I don't know. But I'm saying you're exactly out. where you're supposed to be. It all so. worked out. Now, we're at the end of our time because yeah. I know you are very, I'm very ripping busy. ripping running my mouth. I just have one final question for you. All right. As, you know, a writer, a journalist, you ask a lot of questions. But what is the one question you would ask yourself if you were interviewing yourself? And what would the answer be? That's a good question. What would you do if you weren't doing this? And I got asked that question once in an interview in Boston. The lady said, if you weren't a sports writer, what would you do? <laughs> and I told her I'd be a stand-up comedian. And she got mad. Why? And at that time, I was actually writing some jokes for some yeah. a friend in Denver who does comedy. And shout out to my homegirl, Leah Ava, who does comedy in Chicago. I was writing jokes for him. And I just, I find comedy amazing. Like, that's got to be really, really hard to do to stand on the stage and say a joke and make people laugh Absolutely. and know your audience because a black audience ain't gonna la- may not laugh the same jokes as a white audience, which makes a comedian that could connect with both amazing. But yeah, I, I told her I, I I would try to do comedy, and she was the only person I was told that didn't want me to have that job because she thought I was being a jerk with my answer. Wow. I don't, I don't see what's wrong with that at and, all. And I told her, I said, you know, I, I have some jokes that I wrote for my friends that I would tell you, but I don't think this is the appropriate place. Right. And she thought I, <laughs> she thought I was being facetious. I was. No, why can't you be a stand-up comedian? Well, I like the answer, personally. Yeah, I, don't so. know, I don't know if I would have done well. I think I'm a good storyteller. I think you should try it one day. No. Why can't you? Don't Go into a club, get on a list, try I'm not, it. I'm not thirsty. I got a job. <laughs> no, you got a job, but you, you right? could also be. Nah, no, you, we you, see people with but, but multiple you, but things. But you know what the real answer is today? That was my answer in 2007. Okay. I want to, I I wanted my, if my next thing I want to do, other than maybe teach or wherever undefeated in ESPN take me, is I just want to DJ brunches. Brunches in particular. Like Sunday brunch. I okay. want to do Neo Soul. DJing on Sunday brunches. Hey, talk to D Sharp. He knows this. Oh, he knows it. So you've already he been, too, he's he too busy for me. Okay. I got the DJ equipment at home. I'm working on it. Well, as I can do it now. I'm trying to be at the brunch because no, I like no, to eat, but I also like good music. No, so let no, me my, know. My ask people that know because the select few people have heard me. I've done some like little parties. What? And I haven't been invited. I'm. It's okay. not my party. Oh, okay. Okay. I'll yeah. give you that. Shout out to my boy, Cabron. Okay. That's Mike Brown. Mike Brown, no. Okay. Mike, I, I, I DJ'd, let's talk about this. I DJed at uh, Love and Propaganda once at 2 a.m. What? And had everybody dancing after hours. 
And the guy asked me if I could come back and do a set the next week. I'm like, bro, I got a job. You got a job. You but think you I'm e- serious. I'm being I, I'm so, I'm looking at you right yeah. in your eyes. I know you're serious. I got the DJ app on my phone. I play with well, it. Well, next time you DJ, but that's, yeah. let a girl know. I've been busy, so I I, I want to be right. So I need I need Sharp to get me, like, I need. Derek. Derek. I got some little things I need to work on. And then then I'll go to Oakland Trip Tavern and, I don't know, I feel Kanye. Like, okay. Somewhere. I just, I just want to do neo-soul brunches. And I think that is a lane. Listen, who does just neo-soul brunches? So I think you got something there. You wouldn't, you wouldn't like that? No, I'm saying there's not a DJ that's Mimosa like, I just and DJ Erica Neo Badu Soul. And, and Jill Scott. I'm here and for it. I think I think you have a lane that no one else is in. I think you go for it. And I'm trying to be there. Sade. Sade is my favorite artist of all time. So don't play with me. I love Sade. That will be after brunch. Okay. Well, I'm looking forward to these brunches. Yes. I'm looking forward I'm, to them. I'm claiming it. Yes. Neo Soul Brunch. <laughs> Ain't nobody know about that Neo Soul Brunch, but they will. And I look forward to them. And thank you so very much for being on Power Nito, Play. you heard this, Nito. I'm calling out all my friends. Okay, go, go. Call them out. Kanye. Chop Bar. Yes. Get get all the work. No, I'm going to stop. Okay. All right. Well. Modernist. Battery. <laughs> Neo Soul Brunches. Hey, and it doesn't have to be just in this area. You I'm can take working. that worldwide. I'm still, I'm still working on my DJ name. I'm struggling with that. Okay, well, I'll do some brainstorming, yeah. too. I, I, I want to ask the congregation what they think. Okay, hey. I got to go, though. I got a game to go. Okay, he does have a game to go to. Thank you so thank very you, much. Thank you. And I also just want to thank you for um, including me in the Soul of the Oracle piece. If you guys haven't oh, seen yeah, that, check that out it's too. a beautiful piece. Um, Mark thank was you. kind enough to ask me, and it meant a lot to you me. Know, she almost cried. I did. Actually, I, I did shed some tears. Okay. So, I was here to um, some thug tears. Yeah. Anyways, uh, <laughs> thank you so very much. Uh, and until next week, we're going to have another amazing interview. I don't know how it's going to top this, but yeah. we will see. Whoever it is, you better come with it. Okay. Tell, hey, you heard him. And play that before they do their interview. <laughs> Mark Spears said you better come with it. Hey, that is going to be like a drop, a piece that we're going to yeah. put in. Just to Neo let them know. Brunches. Damn. Right here on Power Play. What an interview that was. I am just blessed to be able to tell these stories. I kind of pinched myself during this interview a little bit because even though I've known Mark for years and we're friends and he has supported me in amazing ways in uh, my career to become a journalist, I'm interviewing Mark Spears. Like Mark Spears has done so many amazing things. I mean, you just heard all of them. I'm not going to sit here and, you know, count them down for you because you just heard them, but he's done so many amazing things. And like, I'm sitting across from him asking about his life. That is a pinch me moment for sure. One thing that I touched on at the end very briefly, Mark had to leave. And so I wanted to make sure that uh, he got to his next destination because he had given us all this amazing time. The soul of Oracle piece that he asked me to be in, please look that piece up. It meant so much to me because Oracle Arena raised me in so many ways. I mean, I was there for 13 years. There was nothing like it. There's no other arena like it. There will never be another arena experience that I will ever have that will supersede the things that I experienced in that arena. And it was in large part because, yes, the basketball was amazing. Yes, the experiences that I had were at the Warriors was very amazing. But the people within Oracle Arena definitely made me who I am in a lot of respects. They are my family there. People underestimate when you're working in an environment like that how much the interaction with people and just literally being in the presence of all the amazing people that worked at Oracle Arena, what it did for my life and what it does for the fans' lives as well. I mean, they know who they're going to see when they're there. They develop relationships with people that work within that arena that will last a lifetime. And the soul of the Oracle piece 
did that. They they showed the people that have actually put their blood, sweat, and tears into Oracle Arena and working for Warriors basketball. And it was just, honestly, uh, and almost wrapped up my career with the Warriors in, you know, a bow to be a part of that piece. And it just really meant a lot to me. And so I need to put, a you know, some more significance on that rather than just saying it on the back end. It was my pleasure to work at Oracle Arena. I will never forget that. And it will be in a piece that will forever be out there for everyone to see. And it honored the people that needed to be honored. And so I'm very thankful. Squint, who we interviewed, also worked on that piece um, and helped to create that piece as well. So um, a shout out to him. And D Sharp was in it. So it's, it's kind of funny because a lot of the people that we have uh, talked to and with and about on this Power Play podcast were a part of that piece. And so make sure that you check that piece out. And I just want to tell Mark, thank you again for being you. Thank you for building people up. Thank you for helping them with their careers. And just thank you for being someone who doesn't just look at themselves, but look but looks at other people and how they can help them. We all need to take a piece of that and run with it. So thank you so much again for listening to the Power Play Podcast. I look forward to talking with you every single week. And it would really help me out and help the podcast out so we can keep it going for you to rate, subscribe, and comment. Um, The more we get, the more people will experience this and the longer that I can talk with you on the Power Play Podcast. So I will see you next Thursday. I better see you next Thursday right here on the Power Play Podcast on the Athletic Podcast Network.